CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, check out all the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. And Mike, we are here today. Well, it's Grey Cup week. I don't think that's a secret to anybody. Um, it's here. Final game of the season this Sunday. We're here to talk about it. It is our Grey Cup preview show. Michael Garrell, how are you doing this evening? Not too bad, not too bad. I My excitement for the Grey Cup is a little bit uh, diminished as a result of last weekend, but uh, still looking forward to the game nonetheless. Yeah, you know, Mike, I let you do the intro the last two weeks, and well, the first time, and then the Bombers won that one, and then... We're like, okay, well, you know, in terms of superstition, let's let Mike keep doing it. But I hate to say it, but I took it back this week. Yeah, and you know what? It's unfortunate, but I think we have progress from the Blue Bombers. I really do. Absolutely, and we'll get into all of that. Uh, We got a bunch of random different things to talk about here related to Grey Cup week. Uh, And then we'll recap the division finals and, of course, preview the big game coming up this weekend. Uh, we do recognize this is a little bit late in the week for this already. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, you know, I'm busy writing a paper, busy studying for a test. So blame school, blame the university system uh, that this is coming out so late in the week. But hopefully you get a chance to catch this before the big game on Sunday. Uh, Mike, where, where do you want to begin here? I, I guess let's just go through. I mean, we've mentioned Grey Cup week. Uh, safe to say we both wish we were there. Yeah, yeah, but also it's such a chaotic week at home. I kind of forgot about, you know, the potential of going, but it would be nice to go one year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year in Calgary. We'll see if we could make that work, perhaps. Uh, Grey Cup week in Edmonton, lots going on. Looks like a lot of fun, all the activity, all the pictures we're seeing on Twitter. Um, Wish we were there. Hope everybody's enjoying themselves at Grey Cup week. And one of the big things at Grey Cup Week this year, Mike, is the Canadian Football Podcast Network trading cards. We mentioned them on the past episode or two. Um, The guys from the Eskimo Empire podcast put together a set of trading cards for all of us in the podcast network. Uh, Looks like there's quite a bit of excitement around them at at Grey Cup in Edmonton. Uh, Lots of people, you know, going around collecting packs of cards. Uh, trading their duplicates with one another. Uh, this is a lot of fun. Honestly, man, I was thinking about it ever since did you, you and I were kind of talking and keeping tabs on our Twitter to see if people had come across our cards and whatnot. I think it's a new thing for the CFL. And, you know, the podcast network was kind of the first to kind of get on, on board with this uh, trading card idea, trading card suggestion. Um, but, you well, know, well, well, be... 
there there are CFL trading cards out there. Uh, well, maybe it's just me, but I haven't exactly seen the morale like as far as popularity goes. I mean, the most cards that I see that people have are, and of course we live in a hockey mad city and a hockey mad country, but it's a little unfortunate that CFL trading cards don't get, you know, the same value that, you know, hockey cards do at Tim Hortons. Right. That's fair. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so trading cards yeah. are being they're being handed out around Grey Cup week. Uh, there's a bunch of members of the podcast network there all week long, so if you find one of them, approach them, see if you can get yourself a pack of cards. Uh, if you're like us and you're missing out on Grey Cup week and you're concerned and you're wondering, oh, no, they're all going to be gone. How am I ever going to get one because I'm not there? Uh, fear not. Um, we'll be getting a bunch shipped to us here in Winnipeg, and we'll be doing, uh, we're planning giveaways throughout the off season, throughout the start of the regular season next year. So uh, stay tuned to this podcast to find out. Uh, maybe we can get you a pack of trading cards. A pack of trading cards, and maybe I'll just be lucky enough to have a trading card to both of us, or one of us, or both. Yeah, exactly. And if you you know if you get a pack of these cards and you find one of our cards in it, let us know on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, we've gotten a couple mentions from them so far. Uh, Derek Mapstone was uh, from our at least as far as we can see the first one to go and pull uh, our team card. And uh, Joe Balineski uh, went to mention that he pulled my card. So if either of you guys are listening, shout out to you. And uh, we want to hear who else. Uh, has cards with our faces on them, Mike. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little it's a little weird uh, in the sense that, you know, I, I never expected that I, I, my face would be on a trading card, but but I think it's a really cool idea, and uh, people love it. There's demand for these things. You know what? I think it's such a new idea, and kudos to the Empire crew for painting of something like this because I think, to be honest with you, it benefits everybody in the podcast network, not just like me and you when we do like the same football countdown. And I think a win for one is a win for all. That's a great way to put it, Mike. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned throughout the off season. Uh, we'll be having different ways to give away trading cards and well, Mike, speaking of giveaways, we're doing another one right now. Um, back uh, middle of the season, roughly, we were given a couple game keys to Maximum Football 2018, created by the, the team over at Canuck Play, uh, to, download, to download and play that game uh, to give away. And, uh, well, we gave one of them away back in the middle of the season. We're giving the second one away now. Uh, so, yes, we do have a contest uh, for a copy of maximum football 2018 for the playstation 4 we are currently giving away throughout this weekend uh go to our twitter page again at cfc on mike fm uh it's the pinned tweet on there there's three steps to follow you give us a follow if you're not already you retweet the tweet and you let us know how uh who you're watching the gray cup with we want to know who everybody uh you know kind of what everybody does for gray cup who they like to watch it with so you do that, you're entered for a chance to win, and uh, we'll draw the winner on Monday. And best of luck to everyone who's entered. We've had a couple entries so far at this point. 
Um, make sure you follow all the steps because we've had a couple people that have only followed some of them. Um, mm -hmm. So make sure you follow all of them to be entered in the contest and we'll draw the winner on Monday. And the winner will get the PlayStation 4 copy of Maximum Football 2018. Uh, for those that don't know what that is, uh, essentially it's a football video game that lets you play with CFL rules, NFL rules. I think there's even college American college football rules, yep. so you you, yep. can, you can tailor the game to you know whatever style of football you like. Um, always, I've always dreamed of CFL video game. You know, Canadian football rules. That's what Maximum Football 2018 brings you. Not to mention, Mike. Looks like the Maximum Football team this week have made a major announcement, and uh, they got a new spokesperson for the series going forward. It's Doug Flutie. Yeah, that's. Uh... That's an interesting idea, um, for sure, because, as you recall, you know, EA Sports meets Madden, and, of course, John Madden is the ambassador for that series, so why can't the CFL do the same thing, and football teams in general? Yeah, I think it's a great move. That's awesome to see Doug Foody behind it. Um Hoping to one day, you know, pick up one of the consoles that's able to play. I, I would play Maximum Football 2018 in a second if I had the console to play it. But uh, we'll see if we can maybe get one of those one day. And maybe uh, maybe on the podcast, we'll have to have a round of games, Mike. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, Doug Flutie behind it. Check out all of their work out at Max Football Game, I believe it is, on Twitter uh, for Maximum Football 2018 and all their fun stuff going forward as they continue to improve their game there. Well, Mike, um, as we move along, again, a lot of random topics to get into here before we talk about, you know, the actual CFL games going on. Let's talk about a team that, well, now officially exists pretty much, right? The, uh, the Atlantic Schooners, as it was just announced about half an hour before we began podcasting here, uh, is the official new name of the 10th CFL franchise, which will be coming in the next couple of years. Well, I'll tell you what, I can't say I'm surprised. No, certainly not. Uh, I've heard the name Schooners in particular being thrown out for at least five to seven years before this. Yeah. And Maybe I, more. You know, I, I heard the debate of the different names. Uh, I think the two strongest candidates were Schooners and the Atlantic Storm. I have to say, I thought the Storm was a pretty good name, but, you know, I understand there's a history behind the Schooners. People love the name. They're behind it, so why not go with it, right? It's it's the same way with when the Jets came back to Winnipeg. It, it would be the equivalent of taking the Rough Riders out of Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, sure. That would be kind of the best way to put it. I can't argue that. Um very excited to have a 10th team coming. Do we know, do you know off the top of your head what year we're expecting them to officially start playing games? I heard they were saying earlier this week 2020 or 2021. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, they got the team name, you know, they got the kind of deal going on. There's still a lot of moving pieces, though. They got to put in place before they can start playing games. Um, so, yeah, it will be a couple years still, but soon a 10th team and, and very exciting. Speaking of Grey Cup 2, I don't know if you thought the news today amongst all the mumbo-jumbo, but was 
seemingly news coming out of the top of the commissioner's address and all that kind of stuff too this morning. Um, the interesting part was that next year's great cup will be in Calgary and 2020, the three teams that have supposedly bid for that 2020 great cup, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and Montreal have been told to move their great cup, um, like the date to host the great cup battle week. So basically the great cup in 2020 will be moved up a week. A to week, a week forward, to, a week earlier, right? Yeah, a week earlier. So basically, last Sunday would would be the Great Cup in 2020. Right. Yeah. You know, people want the games earlier. Nobody wants to be out in the cold in minus 25. Um, I can, can kind of concur with that. I've been going for walks all week because, uh, you know, I've been doing the Great Cup fit up. And all week long, it was Winter Park. Uh, long pants which if you know me is not normal uh and like two pairs of socks and i was freezing and uh, well that's half an hour walk i don't want to go sit outside in minus 30 to watch a football game we did that in 2015 you know i do it but certainly nobody's comfortable well i'll just ask the people about we're at the western semifinal two weeks ago i will say though I am loving the weather the last two days here in Winnipeg. It, it's shorts weather again. I, I just went for my walk before we started recording. I was uh, out there in shorts, Mike. Well, to be frank, guys, Ryan wears shorts at minus two. So, I mean, yeah, I, uh, hey, that's selling me short here, Mike. I wear shorts at minus ten. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I knew that part, but I just wanted to make sure that people knew that Winnipeg wasn't exactly a tropical place the last two days I, I don't think it's ever been a tropical place in its life but <laughs> in, in all seriousness the sun does need to shine here a little bit absolutely um mike let's get into talking about the games from this past weekend as much as we don't want to talk about one of them as bomber fans but uh let's start off with the other one let's postpone it a little bit further uh the ottawa red blacks beat the hamilton tiger cats 46 to 27. Well, you know, going into this game, Mike, uh, well, there are a lot of questions surrounding some of these teams. Um, certainly they can't beat Hamilton a fourth time, everyone said. Certain, uh, Trevor Harris isn't elite, they said. Uh, Trevor Harris can't get it done in a big playoff game, they said. Trevor Harris just came out this past Sunday and told everybody to shove it. Yeah. Um... I lost track. How many touchdown passes? Six. A CFL record, six touchdown passes in a playoff game. Crazy. Um, to be honest, um, Ottawa played the game of their franchise, basically. Let me just, like, like when editing this, just go and throw in, a, like, a goat sound right now because <laughs> that playoff performance by Trevor Harris I'll go out and say it, uh, at least in the span of my time as a CFL fan, uh, and certainly it's up there. I mean, it set a record. Greatest of all time playoff performance by a quarterback, Trevor Harris. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, you and I were too young to remember the Donadin 712-yard performance. That wasn't a playoff game, though, was it? I don't know it wasn't. There's was in the middle of summer at... Uh, Winnipeg Stadium, what used to be Tanadin Stadium. 
Um, Kahari Jones that his fair share of playoff games that were dread. Um, not in recent memory, of course, for Blue Bomber fans. Um, but as far as I'm just trying to think back, I mean, certainly his performance is one of the top as far as playoff performances. But I would imagine that his performance would be one of the tops performances, period, regular season and playoff. Yeah, I can't argue that. I'll, I'll read you the stats line on this. 29 of 32 for 367 yards, six touchdowns, and an interception. Or no interception, sorry. So not only does he set a CFL record for six touchdown passes, but he also sets a CFL record with the highest completion percentage in a playoff game at something over 90%. He missed three passes all game. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Ottawa kind of went away from William Powell, obviously, with having thrown 32 times. But when your quarterback captures fire like that, it's very hard to go away from what's working. Not really, though. They didn't really go away from Powell. He still had 21 carries for 86 yards. The 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 Ottawa Red Blacks ran, let's see, just doing math, uh, 50. they ran 53, 55 plays of offense by my count in this game. Uh, Powell was running well, and Trevor Harris couldn't be stopped. Well, then, that tells me that Ottawa did a lot with the ball control portion of the game. Because it seemed like in the bits and pieces and the little tiny bit that I watched in this game, every single time I'd looked up, Ottawa had the football. Well, yeah. Uh, Hamilton had three interceptions by Jeremiah Mazzoli. Um and I don't think Ottawa turned the ball over at all. So so <laughs> Ottawa won the turnover battle. Really, Ottawa won the battle in all three phases of the game. And, and it's kind of interesting because you go back to last week and we're talking about that game where Hamilton blows BC out of the water in all three phases of the game. And we're starting to think, Hamilton's looking pretty good here. How is Ottawa going to beat them? And then Ottawa goes and does the exact same thing to them. I mean, has me thinking here. What does Hamilton have to do to get to a great cup? Well, they had the unfortunate Brandon Banks spell years ago, and now they get now they run into a Ottawa franchise that has been in almost more great cups than the time that they've appeared as an actual franchise. From memory serves correct, this is their third Ray Cup in five years or their fourth in six years. Um, domination. Well, it's their third in the last four years, is it not? I, I mean, this year in 2018, uh, 2017, they were not in it. 2016 is when they beat Calgary. And then 2015 is when they lost to, Ottawa, lost to Edmonton. So just as, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and... And 2014, they got the team? Uh, 2014 or 2013. Let, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up here. You're almost reaching Vegas Golden Knight territory, right? In what With sense? Sustainability and what the, Golden, what the Golden Knights did in their first year. And the, the success, it just, like, 
honestly, like the commissioner said uh, today in his address, he's concerned about Montreal, but he doesn't want to lose Montreal in the market. Um, so just looked it up here for you. Yeah, they did start playing in 2014. That was the year I think they only won two games or something like that mm-hmm. uh, in their first season. And then the next year is when they came out and surprised everyone and made it to the Grey Cup. So it's interesting because you now have these two teams. You have the Calgary Stampeders on one side who dominate every regular season. Uh, they've been in the West Final, you know, every year in Bowie by Mitchell's career. I heard that on the Horseman Radio uh, podcast earlier today when I was listening to that and you know they've hosted the West Final so long and they've made Grey Cup appearances you know three of the last four years they've been in the Grey Cup and then you have Ottawa on the other hand which is this expansion team from 2014 who have also made the Grey Cup in three of the last four years yet I don't know if anyone necessarily holds them and as high as standard as Calgary because regular season record wise they certainly don't stand out as much. Yeah, I mean, everybody, to be honest, I'm so glad you brought this up. Everybody seems to want to be talking about how dead Calgary is, but everybody seems to be forgetting about how dead Ottawa is. Like, if you want to talk modern-day CFL dynasties, you know, mm-hmm. go back to, like, would you say, what what was the most recent dynasty in the CFL? I would argue it was the Montreal Alouettes in the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, Edmonton... Edmonton was good in there for a time, but they lost a bunch of bunch of times in the final to that Montreal team. So, so I, I would argue it was Montreal in the Calbio era here uh, in the mid two thousands, and and then now you know everybody's thinking, well, it's got to be Calgary, but Ottawa. I mean, third Grey Cup appearance in five years of existence. To me, that spells dynasty, especially if they can win their second Grey Cup in four years. I think, and I don't want to get too much into Grey Cup preview, but both quarterbacks are working on a legacy, and Salt will tell you whose legacy will be remembered for what. Mm. I'll expand more on that later. Now, now this game between Ottawa and Hamilton, I mean... You had Hamilton coming off such a high the week before, Ottawa coming off a bye week. Ottawa wins all four games against them this year. What Was, was this just Ottawa is their kryptonite? Absolutely. I mean, you think about the one game I know they played earlier, and that was basically one off the foot of Lewis Ward. Right. And it just seemed to me a fortunate bad luck or Hamilton. I mean, everybody seems to have that one team, but they seem to match up um, really good against, or in Hamilton's case, really bad against. And it's a historic thing, kind of thing. And it just happened to be that uh, a security guard turned kicker helped them win one game. And I don't know, it's just Something's right in sports, and I, I know this as a broadcaster. I mean, the South of Steelers, my junior A team that I help broadcast for, has a long losing streak in one of the buildings in the league, dating back many, 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 many years, long before I first joined the team, which was about five years ago. 
And it's an unexplainable stat why the Celtics Steelers have not won in this building. Fans that listen to the show probably know which building I'm referring to. I won't say it on this podcast. But in the same sense, the same thing happens with football. There's some things you just can't explain matchup-wise, lot-wise, play-calling-wise. And sometimes, to be honest with you, there's no way to explain it. And it could be next year that Hamilton reloads and gets the better of Ottawa. The thing that floors me the most is that this game was a blowout as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Go ahead, Chuck. And I, I have no problem admitting that Ottawa was going to win this football game. None at all. In fact, I may have picked Hamilton, but uh, very, very close. But I did not foresee a six-touchdown performance. I, I, don't, my, I don't think anyone predicted a six-touchdown performance. I also didn't see Jeremiah Mazzoli throwing three pits. I, I don't even know, to be honest with you, if he's thrown three pits in the same football game at all this year. Mm. Uh, th- that would be something worth looking into. I'm on it. There, there, was a, there was a bunch of things that transpired that nobody really expected on Sunday. And for me, I just truly did not think... I didn't all odds that Ottawa to beat them four times in a year. And this is just one of those unexplainable quirky things in sport. And for one given three hours on the football field and all year, Ottawa has had the better of Hamilton. I looked it up here for you. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli has not had not thrown three interceptions in a game at all this year before this game. Uh, I believe it was one, two, three, four, five, six times he threw two interceptions, but had not thrown three in a game until this week, which I think one of them was right at the end of the game. But, you know, we talk so much about Trevor Harris's performance. Uh, he had all his wide receivers were on fire, running back on fire. I mean, the offense was on fire. Special teams was on fire. And, and, and I think the defense for Ottawa gets lost in this game a little bit. They made some big plays where I believe Hamilton was driving, weren't they? And then all of a sudden Ottawa comes up with the big defensive play. And, and, and they, because remember early on in this game, it, it was a low scoring game. It was 6-3 at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, and then you start factoring in the turnovers and all that kind of stuff. Things can snowball in a hurry. And they absolutely did. Sum this up short for Hamilton this season with this outcome. I think, uh, at the end of the day, Ryan, the injuries came back to bite them. That's They did not have a, their A-plus receiving core for this game by any stretch of the imagination. Right. The, they were lucky to get by BC. Well, not lucky. They blew BC out, which nobody expected. I did. Well, except for you. <laughs> to, be um, fair, to be fair, I'm pretty sure I called it being a close game, but I did draw comparisons to previous times BC was blown out during right. this crossover. So it just goes to show, and I almost have to wonder if you're Hamilton, if you rested too much on your laurels after that game. 
Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a danger in that, right? Is is you have this big blowout win, you think you're the top cheese, and then well, it turns out you're not Gouda enough. But <laughs> sorry, that was a terrible joke. But in in, in another stance, Ryan, it's I mean it just goes to show that every wheat is a different wheat, and it's very very uh, unpredictable what's gonna happen. Now let's not forget, because a lot is lost with Hamilton. A lot is focused on the Brandon Banks injury and how that affected the offense, which shined very well the week before. And it looks like they have another new gem in Hamilton and Braylon Addison, who had another big game in this loss. But uh, Brandon Banks, uh, Jalen Saunders early in the year was having an outstanding season before he went down. They lost Terrence Tolliver as well. So Hamilton did lose some big pieces and it affected their offense and, you know, their defense came to play big time against BC, but I mean, I, they couldn't stop Trevor Harris. And at the end of the day, you know, all three phases of the game, Ottawa dominated. And now Ottawa's off to the Grey Cup and uh, Hamilton's out. Well, here's the, here's the thing with Hamilton. I don't see any need to blow up what they've had. No, no, I don't either. Uh, if you're thinking that you need to blow up your team to get past Ottawa... I think it's just a matter of the injuries caught up to them, and you take the turnovers out, it might be a different game, but it just reinforces that both games are the same way. The value of having that division semifinal bye week. For sure. Uh, let's let's move on to the other matchup here. So we have Ottawa going to the Grey Cup out of the East. Uh, the Bombers in Calgary to face the Stampeders lose it 22-14. to I've tried to block this game out of my memory since Sunday, Mike, but we're going to talk about it nonetheless. Um, you know, the Bombers go play a pretty solid game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Regina this past the week before. Then they have to go into Calgary, where they've always struggled to win. And you know, it, a lot of talk early in the season for the Bombers was de- offense was on a roll, but defense couldn't do their part. The defense did everything you could have expected from them in this West final against Calgary. But the offense who had been rolling most of the year and at the end of the season, all of a sudden came up blank. I don't want to, I don't want any of what I'm about to say to come out as emotional. You know what I mean? Right. Um, to be honest with you, the Bombers played well enough to win. They just did not make enough plays. But they certainly played well enough to win. Defensively, for sure. I, I don't think there's any denying that. But the the offense, and, and this, I think, is full credit to Calgary's defense, who, throwback to early in the season, because you know I love going back to the early season, every week on the podcast, what was the, basically the only thing we talked about with Calgary? Points against per game average, you know, 10 averaging 8 points against through like 5 weeks. 10 points. Oh, it's up to 11, which was still insane. This Calgary defense all season long has been dominant. And we should have expected nothing less in the West Final, where Calgary comes to play big time every single year. And to be honest with you, and I'm surprised Matt Neto did not say this, but I got this impression watching the football game. Matt Neto did not have a lot of places to throw that football. It didn't seem like it. It seemed like he was scrambling or getting sacked quite a bit, right? It's and and I asked the fans the question. 
that criticized and questioned the Blue Bomber play calling and questioned Paul Apolis and all this kind of stuff. Put yourself in the football game as a quarterback. You call the play, let's say it's a Hail Mary pass deep down the field. You have that option, just for the sake of this example. Let's say you snap the ball and your O-line protects you, which I thought the protection was great for about 90% of that football game. Offensive line protection, I don't think was the issue why we lost this game. But let's say you snap the ball and you're looking down the field and you're eyeing your receivers and all that kind of stuff. Not one person becomes open. Is that the quarterback's fault? No. Certainly, if nobody is open to throw the ball to, don't throw the ball because, you know, it could get picked off, right? Is that the offensive coordinator's fault for calling the wrong play? Maybe. Maybe he needs to call more plays to change it up to get the guys open. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, with the way Calgary played last week, if anybody would have beat them, Saskatchewan included. Defensively? Or do you mean all around? All around. See, here's where I disagree with you, though. And and this, as a Bombers fan who's never in his lifetime seen the team win a Grey Cup, uh, you haven't either. It's painful. It's now running. It's 28 years now, right? Uh, 1990 was the last time the Bombers have won a Grey Cup. Um, This is where it stings because the Bombers had them on the ropes. Like, Bo Levi Mitchell was not on his game in the slightest, like 17 of 31, 214. He had three touchdown passes. I'll give him that. that. That's some solid play right there, some clutch play from Bowie by Mitchell. But especially in that second half, like in that third quarter, I think didn't Calgary have something like four? Didn't he have like four passing yards or something like that mm-hmm. in the third quarter? Yeah. Like, like it was a close matchup. They lose by eight points uh, by a touchdown that Calgary does score uh in in the fourth quarter there like the bombers were so close in this game and they had the offense for calgary stopped if they had an ounce of offense in in this game maybe we're looking at a different storyline of winnipeg facing ottawa in the great cup here's the thing and it's been almost a week after it and i i keep coming back to this anybody that holds calgary in their house to less than 20 points, less than 25 points, here with 21 or 22, whatever it ended up being. 22. That's very, very respectable. Right. That's very, very respectable. And I don't want to nitpick this apart, but Matt Nettles, under or over to a wide open receiver in Anzone in the first quarter, I think he over to him by a yard. And then you had, the so, Chris, and then you had Chris Strebler overthrowing Andrew Harris for a wide open long touchdown. The thing to me that was really concerning was on second and short, how many times Andrew Harris would get a loss of yards? Credit to Calgary's defensive line. There's a lot and... of debate out there, and we'll talk maybe a bit about the CFL award winners at the end, but uh, you know, Adam Big Hill does go on to win the Defensive Player of the Year award. Micah Johnson of the Calgary Stampeders definitely, you know, as a guy who was up there in consideration for that. Ultimately, it goes to Big Hill as the West nominee. But, you know, Micah Johnson and those guys on that Calgary defensive line, like that that defense 
is strong. And, and as much as, you know, maybe there were things the Bombers didn't do great offensively in this game, you cannot talk about it without giving credit to the team that's off to the Grey Cup. I've been to me, and it didn't hurt Bomber fans to say this. I've been it was what Calgary did versus what the Bombers didn't do. Which was what? Which was they did not take advantage the Blue Bombers of the one turnover that they had. Right. That was the uh-huh. that was the lawful fumble recovery early in the third, right? Yes. But here's the other situation too. Calgary, most weeks, did not make a lot of mistakes. No. So, if you don't give the Bombers mistakes to capitalize on, it's kind of hard for the Bombers to win the game. Because to me, and I don't want to sound like this is a team that's leaking oil, but just as much, this is the defense and somewhat an offense that relies on the turnover. The turnovers didn't happen. They were forced to win a football game in another way. And Calgary was just better on this particular afternoon for three and a half hours. I I want to focus on Calgary a little more here because they are the team. Like, as Winnipeg fans, we're we're tempted to focus on the Bombers, you know. Mm -hmm. But Calgary is the team that goes on to play in the Grey Cup, and we're going to talk about that match here. So I want to focus on Calgary. And I think... It's so interesting to me because the biggest storyline surrounding Calgary this whole season has been their injuries at wide receiver. You have, who'd you all have go down? You had Kamar Jordan go down, DeVaris Daniels go down, Reggie Bagleton go down. Uh, I'm probably missing, like, somebody very clear here. Eric Rogers was banged up so many times throughout the season. And in the final couple weeks of the year, you know, Calgary had that rotation of new guys coming in at wide receiver that are trying to learn the offense. The offense just doesn't seem on the right page. Playoffs is when your best players need to come to play and what your best players step, the best players step up big time. And Eric Rogers absolutely did that for Calgary. Six catches, 61 yards, three touchdown passes. You could see it, you know, things aren't going well for Bo uh bully by mitchell late in this game in the second half you know offensively they're not really chugging along eric rogers has two touchdowns earlier in the game who's he going to when they get close to the red zone of course it's going to be eric rogers again because this is the guy who knows this offense has been in this offense all year has been his go-to receiver throughout the year and he steps up big time with a big game when he needed to here's the uh here's the best way to sum this up down near the goal line in any football game, win or lose, NFL, CFL, high school football, whatever brand of football. The quarterback is going to go to his receiver who he thinks he can make the play. Eric Rodgers had it. The Bombers could not find a way to defend him properly. And had the game been another three hours, we would have seen even more balls thrown in Eric Rodgers' direction. Well, and let's not forget that last touchdown pass to Rodgers. Like, I believe it was mm-hmm. that one that, like, there was no way. I think it was Brandon Alexander that went up against him. Like, there was no way Brandon Alexander could have stopped that. That was just a heck of a catch. And even better, he had a heck of a throw. A heck of a throw and a heck of a catch. You know, we, we can lament all we want on, oh, Mitchell's completion percentage. 
you know, 17 of 31, 214 yards. And, and you know, compare these two quarterbacks in Trevor Harris's six touchdowns, high completion game, and Bo's, you know, low yardage, hovering around 50% completion percentage game. But again, like I said, your best players step up when it matters most. Foley by Mitchell throws those clutch touchdown passes. Their defense steps up, shuts down the Bombers' offense all game long. And Eric Rodgers makes those clutch catches when they needed to. And when they needed to run out the clock, Don Jackson did a great job of that as well. You know, he didn't, he hasn't really exploded on the stat sheet all season long. Granted, you know, there were injuries along the way for him as well. But 14 carries for 83 yards. I thought against a strong Winnipeg run defense, I thought Don Jackson had a big game when they needed him too. Everybody stepped up when they needed to for Calgary. It may not have been the full 60 minutes, but Winnipeg didn't play a full 60 minutes either. Gave them the opportunity and they got it done when they needed to. A football game, Ryan, and you've heard me say this countless times, comes down to four or five plays. Calgary made four or five bigger plays and that's why they won this game. Absolutely. If we're, if we're talking about Andrew Harris having that big play, we're maybe looking at a field goal and or a touchdown. If Nitro doesn't underthrow the day in the end zone, we're up 13 to nothing at the time. Or 10 nothing at the time, whatever, and ended up being. Football is the game of inches, whether you like it or not. And momentum can swing in either direction quicker than you can handle it. Yeah, and you have to be able, you have to make sure you grab it at any at any moment available to you, right? And for the Saints, it's a playoff game, and the Bombers were right in there with the best team in the league. And realistically, a lot of people outside of Winnipeg weren't picking the Bombers to win. The Bombers gave it a bit of a fight as I think they could have under the circumstances. And I know me, for one, expected a whole lot worse. And... As tough as it is, I, I think it's a building project, building project for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Two losses in the Western semifinal in the last two years. Now in a loss in the Western final. There's improvement whether people refuse to admit it or not. Well, let's kind of close things out on Winnipeg before we move into talking about Calgary and, and then their Grey Cup matchup with Ottawa. Um you, you said Hamilton, you don't change much after this season. Winnipeg, do you change much? Not at all. If you can retain a lot of those players, I still believe, Ryan, but I think the Bombers need one more receiver. One I, more, I agree with you. One more game-breaking receiver. I mean, Darvin Adams, no disrespect, was kind of quiet in the playoffs because I think teams decided to take them away. Well, well, okay, hold up there, though. He, he was quiet in the first round against Saskatchewan. He had, like, three catches for, like, 11 yards, something yeah. like that. Yeah. This game against against Calgary, he was actually, like, the only Winnipeg receiver that was really doing much. And I know, granted, some of those catches came during the late drives when they were trying to, you know, get back into the game. But five catches for 64 yards. Andrew Harris had four check down passes for nine yards. Other than that, nobody caught more... You know, Dressler caught two passes. Other than that, nobody else caught more than one. So it, it was really Darvin Adams, you know, and, and I think that directly shows to the Bombers' offense where you have this game-breaking receiver in Darvin Adams. You have some serviceable guys here. I, you heard me talk about last week how much I love Drew Walitarski, Nick Dembski, you know, Weston Dressler. 
But I, I do think the Bombers need that consistent, that game-breaking receiver, uh, like you mentioned, a guy to compliment Darvin Adams. Here is something to bear in mind. And this is no disrespect to Drew Wallace. Everybody knows who he is next year. Guaranteed they're going to find a way to steam up against him. I'm just saying the Bombers need more weapons to try to open up people. You know what it is? It's kind of like line matching, right? Right. If I can pull the Winnipeg Jets into this for a minute, they got Connor with Little and Liney. That line's going, so now you put your shutdown line on them. Well, now they now they can come back to beat you with the Shifley line, right? So the same deal when those top-notch receivers are being shut down, you can have your secondary receivers start to step in and burn them. And, and I think, to be honest with you, what the Blue Bombers should have done, and I think in hindsight they tried to do, but just weren't comfortable with whatever, for whatever reason, I think they needed a guy like S.J. Green to push them over the top. I, I thought you were going to mention that name, and that that's actually the name I was going to go to, too. So you, you make a great so point. It's, one more receiver makes all the difference in the world to a defense. Because it's like, oh boy, who do we cover? And then, oh boy, we cover this guy, and that guy breaks out. Now, all of a sudden, your receivers are breaking out. Now, you pull a guy out of the box, and that opens up Andrew Harris. What what Calgary did is what everybody's tried to do, but has failed to do. Load up the box, try to stop Andrew Harris, keep him to around 60 to 75 yards. That's probably minimal for Andrew Harris's production. Keep him at a minimum catching through the air and say to Matt Nichols, okay, use your weapon and try to beat us down the field. You know, it's it's interesting drawing the comparison, and we'll talk more uh, as we get into the offseason and do a full season wrap-up. Uh, but just to close things off here on the Bombers, it's really interesting. You go back to last year, the big thing we were all talking about going into the offseason was, you know, so many people demanding Richie Hall to lose his job, right? Defensive coordinator, Defense struggling, giving up big games, uh, you know, not tackling very well season after season. I, I don't, there's no question in my mind that Richie Hall is going to be back as defensive coordinator come next season because the defense improved as the season went along. And to his credit, I don't know how much Mike O'Shea, you know, had a role in this. I don't know if it was all Richie Hall. I don't know if it was just the guys finally clicked and bought in. But the defense in the second half of the season played really well. Yeah, it's like there's it's no so, there's no questions of his job being on the line going into the offseason. Do you see it that way too? Pardon me. I I don't see there any way his job's on the line going into the offseason. Do you see it that way too? I'm not sure, man. It it, it depends if you believe that what the Bombers did in the last eight to ten games overrules what they've attempted to try to do. The last two years before this. That's fair. And I think you also have to look at it realistically and go, how much how much of a chance realistically do we have to sign Adam Bade Hill? And then you go back and you look, can we still believe we play this way without Adam Bade Hill? Yeah, I you know, it'll be an interesting off season. Rumors are the bombers have a heck of a lot of free agents. Most important one on and and if I may cut in here one more time, yeah. 
The Bombers played their last two playoff games with arguably one of their best defenders injured, uh, as was Adam Hill. He hurt himself in the Regina game, spattered his finger out, I forget what the injury wound up being. And they also lost their second-best defender, in my mind, in Javon Santos-Knotts. Yeah, that, that's very fair. Th- there's a lot of free agents this offseason for the Bombers. Most important, definitely on that list, is Adam Big Hill, and we'll see what happens with that. Final quick thing with, on the Bombers, they released Maurice Leggett this week, Mike. Um, I think we've talked about this before. Not really a surprise. You know, he's ever since he's got injured, he, he's... He hasn't quite been the same. He's been battling the injuries. Um, coincidence? I don't know. Uh, the defense played a lot better, you know, since the that last game. The last game, like the last game he played, as far as I'm aware, was going up against Kamar Jordan, who put up 250 yards against him. I don't think the defensive struggles were all on Maurice. So like, I'm not trying to say that at all. But you know, I think they they clicked with the lineup they had after that. And I think the writing was on the wall for, you know, somebody else to fill in. Chandler Fenner did a great job in that, in that same position. And, and, and Leggett's out after that. Uh, and one guy to me that really stepped it up, but I did not really foresee this coming, Craig Rowe near the end of the year. Right. And my goodness, Justin Jeffcoat. Shh, don't, you, mention, you, don't, don't mention that name, Mike. People might yell at us. Well... To be honest with you, the guy was an animal. Take away the one play that everybody wants to scream at us about. Right. No, just, but, just I, I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I just want to get back to the uh, to the Maurice Leggett thing. You know, and, I, and I and I think that I like Craig Rule made made uh, Maurice Leggett expendable. Don't forget we have this shutdown cornerback uh, in Chris Randall. And Alexander, and there's just no way the way the defense was playing that they had a spot for Mo on the team long term. Right, and, and it, it sucks to see because Leggett's been here in Winnipeg for you know I think five years. Uh, he was an All Star, one of the best defensive players in the league uh, for a couple of seasons here. He's done great things for the community. He's an all around great guy. You know. I, I still love Mo Leggett. I, I, it sucks to see what the injury, you know, kind of did for him. Um, hopefully, given that they did release him early, he has a chance to go, you know, find another team for next year at this point. Um, and I, I, I hope Mo Leggett lands somewhere because I still love the guy uh, and I wish him nothing but the best. Mo Leggett was a very, very committed blue bomber on the field. And in the community. Absolutely. He's the big part of why I think a lot of the guys that we have come to know over the last number of years has chosen Winnipeg as a destination. And I'm just curious to see how many free agents more we can lure over onto the Blue Bombers this, this coming year. Well, we'll leave it at that on them, Mike, and focus on the Grey Cup. Uh, the 106th Grey Cup taking place in Edmonton this Sunday, a rematch of 2015 between the Calgary Stampeders and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Storylines in this game, well, I think it's safe to say all the focus is on Calgary, and uh, will they choke yet again? 
I'm not sure, man. I, I, I that that that's 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 what the focus is on in this game, right? Is, is that that's the storyline everybody's focusing on? Is Calgary's not going to shake that reputation until they do until they win? And this is the problem, and it goes back to what I said earlier. Both these quarterbacks are playing for a legacy. Trevor Harris has a real chance to kick down the door of an to be an upper echelon quarterback in the Canadian Football League, in my mind, this week I'm going to win. Meanwhile, Bo Levi Mitchell needs to win to basically, for lack of better terms, shut everybody up about how Calgary can't win the big one. Looking at the season series, they played a home-and-home earlier on in the year, in the first month or so. Uh, Calgary wins the first one, 24-14 then wins the second one 27-3. So Calgary had their number all regular season, or in the two games this regular season. I remember the second one was just complete dominance by Calgary. You know, Trevor Harris was pulled by halftime. Um, Calgary kind of dominated the regular season games, but all the focus is on the playoff history, right? And the last time these two teams played in the playoffs was, of course, 2015 when... Henry Burris led the Red Blacks to that uh, overtime win over Calgary. Which was, as I recall, or ended up being a pretty terrific, um, a pretty terrific uh, end zone catch on, I think it was in overtime. Yep, by Ernest Jackson. So fantastic. That was a great football game. Can just just give us another one of those, please. Like, like. You know what, what, do you, what do you what do you make of this, Mike? Because you you were kind of talking about you know not being as excited as you normally are for the Grey Cup this year due to you know the Bombers coming so close, but losing this past weekend was part of it. People have thrown this out there: Calgary in the Grey Cup three of the last four years, Ottawa in the Grey Cup three of the last four years. Like, is this an exciting matchup between these two teams, or does it fall in the line of Hey, let somebody else play in the Grey Cup for once, you know. That that honestly, you summed up exactly how I feel. We've seen this movie multiple times between these two teams, and I guess we're waiting to find out if the the movie had the different ending this time around. That's a great way of putting it. And to be very honest, we'll be treated to a treat. I'm pretty sure by these two football teams. But one of these markets is going to be absolutely devastated. Let's do what we did for the past couple games, Mike, and do the offensive, defensive, and special teams matchup comparisons. Uh, let's start offensively. Uh, which offense do you like here and why? Ottawa. I think they're deeper at receiver. I think they got the better quarterback, at least Ooh. Pl- playing warmer coming into this game, if you know what I mean. Right. By a, by a smidgen. I also feel that to an extent they have the better running back. Yeah. William Powell over whoever ends up being the running back for Calgary. Don Jackson. Probably Don Jackson. It, it will be Don Jackson. That could be Romar Morris. He was stretchered off against Winnipeg. Right. Um, so, again, I really think that Ottawa's got a better offense. Wide receiver-wise, I mean, if Calgary had everybody in for their offense, that would be a whole different story. But, of course, that's not the case. 
Do you know, like, there were there was talk about Tavares Daniels possibly playing in the WEC final. He did not. Do you know if he's playing in the Grey Cup for our Calgary or? I haven't. I haven't heard. Depcha doesn't come out till tomorrow. Practice details have been scarce. I think certainly you've got that big three with Ottawa. You've got Sinopoli, Ellingson, Deontay Spencer, and any one of them can have a big game on any given day. I, I, I agree with you just based on who I imagine is going to be in the lineup for these two teams. I think Ottawa has the edge at wide receiver. I think Ottawa has the edge at running back. Quarterback? That's so tough because... You know, you, you you pick Trevor, you say they have the edge with Trevor Harris, and it's like, hello, Bo, we have Valley Mitchell has, like, the highest winning percentage of any quarterback in CFL history. How can you not say he's better? But then you pick Bo Levi Mitchell, and on the other end, it's like, hey, Trevor Harris just had the greatest playoff performance of all time. I'm going to make a playoff prediction here, a okay. game prediction. This game will be the coming out party. For R.J. Harris. Oh. I believe that R.J. Harris is going to get 125 to 150 yards receiving a couple touchdowns. Wow. That is, a, that is a big statement, Mike. And I am not afraid to say that because I believe that the number one receivers on both these teams will be kept in check. It's time for somebody to bust out. All right. And in my, and in my mind, it's R.J. Harris. You heard it here first. I, I did not expect to hear that, but I like it, Mike. I like that little bit of bold fieriness coming from you. It did. <laughs> um, offensively, you know, I'll give a bit of an I'll give an edge to Ottawa here. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with you. Uh, I like their running back. I like their wide receivers and and quarterback. I think it's pretty close between these two the way they're playing right now. So I'll give an edge offensively to Ottawa defensively, I think it's no surprise to anyone if I give this edge to Calgary. We've seen what they've been able to do all season long. We saw what they were able to do to completely shut down Winnipeg um, in the Western Final. I do like Ottawa's defense. I love Noel Thorpe and what he's been able to do with that defense there. But to me, Calgary just uh, all around is more dominant on the defensive side of the ball. This is where the game is won. In the trenches, on the defense, three and a half hours later. Advantage Calgary, and it's a lot lopsided than people think. It's a lot more lopsided than people think? Yes, as far as talent disparity. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, One thing we didn't talk about before, Mike, with the Ottawa-Hamilton game was uh, Jonathan Rose. uh, I don't... Honestly, don't even get me started with that. No, you don't want to talk about that? I I, I have my thoughts and feelings about that, um, but we can go ahead and talk about it. I, I think we should because it's interesting how that's going to affect this game because um, he was suspended by the league after pushing a referee in this past game, which rightfully so props to the league for coming out and suspending him. But, of course, he does go and appeal the suspension. Do we know yet? Is is he allowed to play in this game? Yep. He's allowed to play because the appeal won't be solved until afterwards, right? Exactly. Um, so he may get suspended at the start of next season, as far as I understand. Uh, but because of the feeling... Watch him to why I don't want to talk about it. 
Because he's appealing, he's allowed to play in the Grey Cup. Ottawa says they're still going to play him in the Grey Cup. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing for them, though, that he is playing. This, honestly, to me, is absurd. Given the situation, you're telling me you can't hear an appeal before the biggest football game of the season? The suspension becomes nothing if it carries into next year. What's a regular season game? Who even knows if he's playing for the Red Blacks in the first start of next year? Exactly my point. He could just say, you know what? I'm I'm done with the CFL. I could go into the AAF or whatever it is. I'm hoping the AAF or wherever the heck he decides to play football, if he does play football at all, will honor that suspension. I'm hoping they do. But no guarantees that happens. Like, to me, it's just stupid. Carrying an incident over from one year to the next when the incident didn't necessarily happen in the championship game. Right. Well, like, to me, like, to me, it's black and white, and I understand that the players have their rights. And rightfully so. The players' union is going to defend their player? Absolutely, and rightfully so they should. Well, but, yeah. to not, but to not hear an appeal... During the week of the biggest game of the season, it's a misstep on everybody's part. Well, here's the interesting thing, because uh, they announced a list of referees for this game. The referee, mm-hmm. Jonathan Rose Pushed, is one of the linesmen, I believe, in this game. Mm-hmm. And this is why I'm saying, you know, I get why, I get why obviously he's allowed to play Ottawa is going to put him in the lineup. But literally every single move of his is going to be scrutinized in this game. Like, refs aren't going to hold back if it's a questionable, you know, okay, is that a penalty or not? It's on Jonathan Rose. They're going to throw the flag faster and further than you've ever seen someone throw the flag. And we got Rick Campbell coaching in this game as a guy who, we've seen him throw a challenge flag pretty far. I imagine these refs are going to throw the flag even further than that and even faster than that if Jonathan Mm -hmm. Rose... Even, even tries anything, and, and frankly, I could see this being a close football game that late in the game, Calgary needs to come back drive. They're good. You know, you, you, made your, you made your prediction about R.J. Harris before. I guarantee <laughs> yep. this is a close game late in the game. Guess where Bo Levi Mitchell, needing a big play with 30 seconds left on the clock, is throwing the ball. He's throwing it in Jonathan Rose's direction because the refs are going to be watching this guy like a hawk, and I will not be surprised when we get a pass interference call that brings Calgary down the field in field goal range to win the game. I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound really stupid, but I think you'll agree with me on this. Red Campbell, for the sanity of everybody involved, including your football team, set Jonathan Rose out of this football team. you you, you got to understand, though, from the coach's perspective, like, who's one of your best defense backs? You're not going to go sit him if you have the chance to play him. Sure no, I, I I understand that part of it. But can you imagine what the referees union is thinking right now? Yeah, they're not going to want to ref this game. And I can tell you he's got a target on his back. And they will never, ever, 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 Ryan, say that publicly. No. Never. It'll become apparent pretty early in this game. But privately, I can be... You can be best assured that Jonathan Rose better be on his best behavior in this football team because they will be out looking for something. So defensively, we both give the edge to Calgary, correct? Mm-hmm. What about special teams? Take me through special teams. Ottawa. 
just for the simple simple reason that their tipter doesn't miss until last week. Yeah, he missed last week. I couldn't believe it. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I hope he's not crumbling at the wrong possible time. <laughs> the dude misses his first kick since June, Mike. You're asking if he's crumbling at the wrong time? He also missed a convert. Still! If, it, if he's missed a field it, goal every week or two, and all, and he misses one in a in a game that when he missed that field goal, like it didn't really matter even at that point against Hamilton. You're you're talking okay. this guy who set a CFL record is crumbling. Pro football record. Pro football record. Exactly. Even even more to my point. Hey, you you I can hear it. You're laughing at me, right? <laughs> I am. But let me let me paint you a scenario. Tie football game or Ottawa down by two. 30 yard field goal with no time left on the clock. He misses the field goal. From 30 yards? He's not gonna miss from 30. Can you imagine if Lewis Ward misses the field goal but decided the great tap after being Basically automatic all season long. Hey, did I not call that like mid-season or when he hit that record? I'm pretty sure I kept saying something along the lines. Watch him not miss until a key kick in the Grey Cup. Something honestly bizarre is going to happen on Sunday. I just have no idea what. And I, I honestly, in the last hour, cannot wait to find out. Absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned Lewis Ward. I think... You know, you got a good kicker in Rene Paradis for Calgary. Um, return game, though, you know, Calgary loses their big return guy, right? Romar Morris goes down with injury against Winnipeg. I can't imagine he'll be playing this week. They still have Terry Williams. Um, but Deontay Spencer, you know, return game, to me, tips things in favor of Ottawa there because Deontay Spencer is such an explosive returner. And you couple that together with, what you've got in Lewis Ward. I think you give the edge on special teams to Ottawa, but I think it's close. It is. And I think it just beats to how close these teams are. Right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So let's get into overall, Mike. How do you see this game going? Somewhat detailed, like, do you think it's going to be a close game? throughout the game do you think it's going to be a high scoring game do you think it's going to start strong finish strong how do you see this game going i didn't depend a lot on the weather which i understand it didn't be perfect for northern alberta and them last sunday in november under the circumstances oh so we're not going to have shania twain coming in on dog sleds this year i don't know but they well obviously not not, because alessia car is the halftime show but Here's an interesting thing while we're on this before I give a prediction. If you happen to have Global Edmonton on your satellite dish, which Bell Express do and most satellite companies do have, be sure to watch the Great Cup Parade tomorrow on TV. All right. It's tomorrow afternoon. Believed to be the first of its kind. All right. Stay tuned. Um, that being said, I think this is going to be a great football game. And do you want me to give a prediction right now? Go for it. Ottawa 27, Calgary 24. And and how do we arrive at that point? Maybe elaborate a little more detail, because this is the last prediction you're making for the year, Mike. 
So go yeah, big, I, go detailed. Tell me how this happens. No, I I think it's going to be real, real close. Uh, defensive straddle to start. Um, defenses will kind of loosen up a little bit. That'll lead to some offense. Uh, Trevor Harris engineers a late touchdown drive to someone like R.J. Harris <laughs> inside the three-minute warning. Uh, Bo tries to lead Calgary down the field. And Jonathan Rose, of all people, makes an interception to steal the great. And the internet breaks down. Oh, boy. That that would be interesting if Jonathan Rose makes... Imagine a Jonathan Rose pick six to win the Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. And the firestorm that ensues with people claiming he should have never been able to play in this game. Which he rightfully shouldn't have been. That that he's, would be that would be he is technically suspended now. Right. Only allowed to play because of an ongoing appeal process. Right. Yeah. Which which let's be frank, in the regular season, there would be an appeal anyway. This just sets a lot of people because it's an appeal that's gonna be dragging in to next year when really he should be suspended for his actions in the biggest game of the season. But you know, I'll play devil's advocate here from the player's perspective. Heck yeah, you're going to go and appeal your suspension. No, I, I understand where you're coming from, from the player's scenario. You protect your players. And as a coach, you play every player that's available to you, whether he's perceived to be light by everybody for whatever. It, it, it's It's a broken system. It's a flawed system where it's not perfect. Just like the world is not perfect. Well said. In terms of my prediction, you know, it's interesting because this game, like, go back to, so this past Sunday started with the East Final. Trevor Harris throws six touchdown passes. Ottawa steamrolls Hamilton. At this point, a lot of people are like, dang, like, Ottawa's going strong coming into the Grey Cup. You know, I, I think I even told you, let's just give the Grey Cup to Ottawa at this point, you know. A bit of hyperbole in saying that, but, uh, and then Calgary plays and, you know, they have some offensive struggles there. They play a close game with Winnipeg, but yet at the end of the day, Mike, in my mind, I got Calgary winning this football game. You have Ottawa coming off such a high, you know, you had Hamilton coming off such a high, an explosive game by Jeremiah Mazzoli the week before, and then an absolute dud against Ottawa the next week. And I won't be surprised if we see something along the same lines from Trevor Harris and the Red Blacks in this game. I think it will still be a close game, but Calgary has had their number in the games they've played this year. Uh, those two games against Calgary were arguably Harris's worst games of the season. I, I know things have changed since then, as that was early in the year. But to me, you know, I think there's so much build up around this and excitement from how Ottawa played this past week that I think it might be a bit of a letdown on their side of things offensively and I think Calgary you know this is the third straight year you've lost the last two people haven't let you forget about it a single day since then I, I think it's time that they show up and shut up and, and they get the win here's a dumb question that I don't even want to think about but I have to ask the question okay who is the fall person if Calgary loses the jam? I, I I don't know if there is. Like, like, are you saying like there's going to be changes that need to happen in some like who loses their job because of this or? 
Yeah, quite frankly. Because I think the pressure is that high in Calgary. I don't I don't think a Grey Cup loss here loses anybody a job. I really don't. I, I get I get what you're saying, okay? I get, you know, three straight years. You, okay, so you imagine, lose in the Grey Cup. Like, imagine if they lose another Grey Cup in the last three minutes. Calgary should be the two-time defending Grey Cup champions. They should have won the last two. I'm just saying what happens if they lose again. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that with this. You're telling me, Mike, if you have a football team that you have built that can consistently get within three minutes of winning a championship every single season, that <laughs> it needs to be blown up. I'm not saying, correction, I'm not saying it needs to be blown up. I'm saying who takes the fall for it. I don't think, like, I get what you're saying, okay? At the end of the day, um, you, you know, Calgary, like, like at the end of the day, you got to go to the championship. You got to win the championship game. First and foremost, 100% agree with you on that one. But if you get to the championship every year, Sure, you don't win the game. I, I just can't see being like, oh, Dave Dickinson, you know, you're out. You, you make it to the finals every year. We're so close, but you didn't get it. You're out. Or, you know, changes like that. Like, I just don't see, especially from a guy like Huffnagel, doing something like that. I, I don't I don't see it. But there comes a point where an athlete professionally says, the season is a waste of time if we don't win the championship. Well, I'll turn this question back on you. Who do you think okay. is the fall guy? Who do I think is the fall guy? Yeah, if Calgary loses the Great Cup this year. Bo Levi Mitchell. So you not, think... not not for the reasons that you think it is. So you, you think Bo Levi Mitchell would lose his job in Calgary if they lost the Great Cup this year? No, I think it is Bo Levi Mitchell absolute reason to go to the NFL. Oh, he's he's trying the NFL either way. You know I, I think I think, even, I think there's even more incentive. I, I, I just want to throw this in here. Um, the guys from the CFL Horseman podcast, Horseman Radio, another member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, uh, before the game against the Bombers, they had Bo Levi Mitchell actually come, uh, come record about an hour and a half interview with them, which was incredible. A great episode. Make sure you go check that one out. Bo Levi's hilarious and insightful on a lot of things. And one of the things he said on this podcast was, you know, with the CBA being up after the season ends, players can't go sign contracts. So if you're a player who thinks you have a shot in the NFL, heck yeah, you're going to go take it because you can't do anything CFL related until that all gets sorted out anyways. So based on that, you know, Bo's contract is up. He's got a legitimate shot, I think, in the NFL. Uh, he did also go and say, you know, that uh, he's not looking to just sign around to get some money and not, never play and be like the ball boy, right? He wants to, the only thing he's going to take is a legitimate job in the NFL. But at the end of the day, he's going to the NFL, Mike. He might, he might, what, he might not make it and we'll see him back here come training camp next year. Sure. But at the end of the day, as of right now, this game is, you know, Bowie by Mitchell's CFL. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then let's play a little hypothetical here. I know we're I know we're running out of time, but let's have, have have a little bit of fun with this while we're down this road. Is there any scenario at all 
Will you see Mike Riley in Calgary? No, none. Because I'll, if Bowley, I'll shut that down real quick. If Bully by Mitchell leaves to go to the NFL, which is likely, then doesn't Calgary. this theoretically doesn't it theoretically make Calgary that much more important to win this game Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I could see that argument. You know, I didn't really think about that. If Bo does go to the NFL, who are you got at quarterback in Calgary? There could be changes there. I will say, though, I think uh, John Huffnagel, based on what I've seen from him as a general manager, in general, he doesn't go and spend big at positions. He finds the diamonds in the rough. I, w- I couldn't see him going and paying for a Mike Riley when it's going to be a bidding war. He will find another quarterback and uh, groom them into the next Bowie by Mitchell. Here's a name to keep in mind, just for Calgary, if only by should go to the NFL. James Franklin. Yeah, I think he could be an interesting piece, and we'll see what happens with him in the offseason. Uh, just, just to cap it off on the Grey Cup here, so you've got Ottawa winning a close game. I've got Calgary winning a seemingly close game, and uh, we should have a great game on Sunday. You know, two teams that have been to the Grey Cup numerous times in recent years, and uh, one of them is going to take it home this week. Can you understand? Here's the question just as we wrap up. I talked to 10 people today about the CFL game. The results were 9-1 to one in favor of Calgary of the 10 people that I polled. The CFL.ca writers also all picked Calgary to win. Okay. So here's another thought. Five of the nine people that I questioned said that Calgary would win by 10-plus. I'm just wondering... Is it going to be that much of a blowout? It could be. I, I think it very well could be. I think we could be seeing Calgary do something like they did in that regular season finale against BC. Three-game losing streak. People are like, ah, I don't know how Calgary's going to do in this game. And they just came out in the first half through for 275 yards, steamrolled them, and then coasted to the end. I, I think if Calgary comes out strong, the question becomes, can they can they hold on to it? Because everybody's going to be like, well, they're going to blow it, they're going to blow it, they're going to blow it, and either they're going to blow it or they're not. going to be one hat of a ride one way or another. Absolutely. Uh, just to close out the podcast here, uh, programming note. Uh, so the Grey Cup, obviously, is this weekend. Uh, We will not be back next week to recap it. Uh, I'm down to my final two weeks of university classes ever, Mike. Uh, That's exciting. Uh, So we're going to insert applause sound effect here. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to take a break for the next couple of weeks because things are hectic. Just looking at my board here beside me, I think I've got five, six assignments due in the next two weeks, a project due and then final exams after that. So, uh, uh, going to be a busy beaver here, so we won't be recording the next couple of weeks. Uh, probably early to mid-December is when we'll get together to do a full season recap and then take a bit of a break for Christmas. And then starting, I think, in January, we're going to get into doing some off-season podcasts. So stay tuned for all of that. Uh, Let's just hope we don't have an extended off-season. Aye, aye, aye. Absolutely. Let's hope the CBA gets uh, gets figured out. Uh, as we said at the beginning, you know, if you're in, at the Grey Cup, we hope you enjoy it there. If you're watching it at home, we hope you enjoy it there. 
Uh, reminder, we do have the uh, Maximum Football 2018 uh, PlayStation 4 download contest. Uh, so go to our Twitter page, at CFC on Mike FM, and uh, it's the pinned tweet. Follow the instructions to enter if you're interested in that. Uh, if you happen to get our Canadian Football Podcast Network trading cards, um, share it with us. Let us know. Send us a picture. We'd love to see who all uh, managed to pull our cards. And uh, if you're ever in Winnipeg and want us to come sign them for you, let us know. Um, we'd be happy to do that, wouldn't we, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And especially uh, if you missed our announcement earlier on, uh, we will be having some cards sent to us. So we will have some cards in the Winnipeg area. Um, not sure if there are any heading into the Winnipeg area following the Drake Cup, but we will for sure have some uh, for those that are not in the Edmonton area. Yeah, we'll be getting them probably a little bit into December because things will settle down with Grey Cup and everything like that, and then they'll get sent out to us uh, by the Empire crew after that. And then, well, it depends how long it takes to travel here. Uh, depends how they send it here. Uh, but uh, stay tuned throughout the offseason because we'll be giving away packs of cards. And uh, should be a fun time. Should be a, hopefully a fun offseason. Hopefully a good one with the CBA covered quickly. And hopefully a good Grey Cup. Uh, as always, follow us on social media at CFC on Mike FM on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at Mike Darrow in between a whole bunch of stuff at Steeler and all my other hockey tennis tweets. I'll uh, throw in the occasional football tweet as well. And you can find me at Cooper Trooper 42. Uh, I don't tweet a lot from there. I'm thinking of starting to do that a little more often now. Normally, I just do them all from the show account, which... I don't know if people know that that's me tweeting those. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'll switch it up a little bit uh, throughout the offseason. But we will see on that. Uh, and and bring the uh, Survivor tapes, will you? Oh, yes, yes. Certainly I can do that as well. Yeah, give us a like on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, all of the podcast platforms. Rate, review, subscribe, share. Help us grow the show. Uh, we always appreciate it when you do that. We appreciate it when you listen. And we hope you enjoy the Grey Cup. What a season it has been, Michael Garrell. A heck of a season of CFL football. Two teams remain, Calgary, Ottawa. The winner is decided in Edmonton on Sunday. We hope everybody enjoys it as much as we will, and we just hope it's going to be a good game. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to the Canadian Football Countdown. We are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all the other great CF Pod Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter and CFPodNetwork.ca. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you in mid-December to wrap up the CFL season. Bye. Bye.